0: Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the latest in the Word. Here is Dr. David. I want to thank you Lord for the privilege, the honor, such an opportunity, Father, to Come before you to receive instructions, and we ask, Lord, that you cause our spirit, our heart, to be enlightened, and wisdom be granted unto us, granting us the grace to walk continually before you, in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so we are still on our subject on what this man, and this is part number three of this particular series. And our main text is Psalm 8 from verse number 3. Psalm 8 from verse number 3 up to verse number 6. That's our main text, so we can go there again from verse number 3. When I consider uh, thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, with Thou hast ordained, what is man that I am mindful of him, and the son of man that I have misled him, for that I made him a little lower than the angels, and crowned him with glory and honor? Verse six says, "That made him to have dominion over the works of their hands, and that put all things under his feet." Amen. Yeah, we're gonna be looking like I said before fully into this, but. We're driving, we're trying to drive home essentially this fact that God ultimate creation or the putting together of that which is called man is not for an experiment that have to continue to come and go, come and go, come and go. What I mean is man is born, gets old, dies and goes away. You know, we used to have uh, what I would call a belief that um, people called uh, you know what they call a biko, a biko in those days. I mean, the people say at the book, yeah, it continues say, uh, Yeah, somebody comes and goes, comes and goes, comes and goes. You understand that? So, I mean, did God create man to go through such a cycle? Is that the ultimate goal of man? And how can such a person that was going to be created as it finds find in the scriptures, after all that God had made, and God said, you have dominion? How would somebody that was supposed to be having dominion, would be having this revolving kind of coming and going, like what we call the wood the banjus, or whatever the case may be? That is not God's intention for mankind. Amen? So that's the aspect we are looking at now, by implication... I keep emphasizing the whole creation. Man, in particular, is not an experimental field in the hands of God. Amen. Man is made in God's image and likeness. We know that, and that goal have not changed. I keep on emphasizing this: the goal of man being made in image and likeness have not changed. And this is something that must—I uh, don't know how to put it—but it's something that you need to take in and continuously work with. Now, let me say this. If you are a minister listening to me, take this to heart. No matter what doctrines you want to propagate, if it does not align with the original purpose of God in terms of Genesis 1, 26, 27, it's not going to be a a good doctrine. It's it's actually a false doctrine. Your doctrine will be wrong because the premise is wrong. Everything you bring it forth as a doctrine must align to God's original purpose, and God's original purpose is that man will be in his image and likeness, and that's what we're going to be looking at this evening. What I mean now is, so what went wrong? Praise the living God, what went wrong? You know, we, we have always had this belief, I keep on saying it, that there was an angel, there was a spirit called an angel called devil that was very beautiful. Um, some people even say he used to be a musician or the chief choir master in heaven and um, one day he decided to say he want to unseat God you know that's the story we are given to, he want to unseat God he want to take charge, he want to take dominion of heaven so he gathered a lot of other angels and because God was not going to be able to withstand him was a terrible coup that was planning, God decided to throw him down. You know, and the devil came down with his uh, one one third or two two third, I don't know, the way they paint the picture. But I would like us to look tonight. You no, know, so in that context, then our feel or it's like now um the original purpose of God in creating man was no longer uh, feasible. Why? Because I mean, the devil is coming to disrupt everything that God was going to do when he threw him down. But you see, if you have that notion, it simply tells me that the God you're serving is not the omniscience God. It's not a God that knows the end from the beginning. You understand that? So, we, we'll be able to look, see from scriptures whether the devil ever played any fast on God by implication to try his plan of making money in his image likeness. Amen? You know, it's surprising that you see pastors push this narrative, like I'm saying, that, oh, the devil played the first one on God in heaven, that's why it was thrown down. And everything they always try to subscribe to scripturally is Isaiah chapter 14. Is that okay? Now, but we know in this hall that Isaiah 14 has nothing to do with an angel. How I many of you remember that? That was completely, nobody else but King Nebuchadnezzar. It was not an angel in any way you know, I've been tempted to start, you know, doing a study and putting it out on the issue of hell. Because now the understanding was that this man was thrown to hell with the sheol, and all of those things. So, let well, I me mean, take a look at that so that we understand what hell really means. Amen? Okay. So, you have this theology going on like that and all of that and all of that. Talking about the devil, talking about, you know, uh, whatever thing it is. Well, like I said before, let's quickly look at the book of... But let me say this first. Like I said before, go with me to Genesis chapter 4. Let me just say this. Chapter 4, if you look at deep from verse 1 to 7, you're going to find an interesting story. You know? You know, it has to do with Cain and Abel. Yeah, the Bible says, And Adam knew his wife, and conceived and bought a child. I mean, Cain, and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord.'" And the verse 2 says, and she again bare a brother, I mean, his brother. And Abel was the keeper of the sheep, but Cain was still of the ground. And then the Bible says, in the presence of time, he came to pass that Cain brought off the fruit of the ground and an offering unto the Lord. And then, and Abel also brought off the firstling of his flock and of the, uh, the father of. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offerings And the Bible said but unto Cain and to unto his offering he had not respect and Cain was very rot, and his countenance fell verse 6 and the Lord said unto Cain why art thou rot? why is thy countenance falling now verse 7 is the key if thou doest well shall thou not be accepted and if thou dost not well sin look at it lie at the door and unto thee shall be his desire and thou shalt rule over him sin lie at the door guess what He's saying listen this is what you intend to do what I mean now is God saw what was in the heart of Cain that he was going to do finally in relation to Abel so how can God warn Cain ahead of time and yet God would not know ahead of time what the devil would do to his plans I don't know if you understand what I mean Before this thing was done, before Cain killed Abel, God already told him. So how come God would not know that one being called an angel Lucifer, whatever would disrupt his plan? That is the kind of God they present to us. So the God that, that, that created the devil, in quote, does not even know what the devil was going to do. The God that made that beautiful angel in heaven that was singing for him, doesn't even know what was in the heart of that angel he created. Oh, come on. What kind of God is that? But yet is God telling Cain ahead of time, God could see what was coming ahead of Cain but yet he could not see what was going to happen to him. Imagine the kind of God with that. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I've just done there? Okay. So now, go with me to Revelation 12 and verse number 9. Revelation 12, verse number 9. The Bible says, And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil, it. the old serpent called the devil, Satan, quit deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. I, I, I was thinking I've done extensively work, I mean extensive work on this, but... In case you can, just go to my website. www.davidogaga.org. I have articles on this. About the casting of Satan. But what I want to point out to you here is. Look at that. This man is called the great dragon. It's called the old serpent. It's called the devil. It's called Satan. Did you get that? It's the same person. So let's treat Why? is called the old serpent. That old serpent is also called the dragon. I want you to get that. Then the dragon, then the Satan, then the devil. The same person. One thing you need to understand is all of these things mentioned about this person speaks of the various phases of his activities. It's one man, but manifest and preaching in different activities. The various phases of his activities or ministry, if you will. But let's say, who is this man? Go to Genesis 3, and verse number 1. Genesis 3, verse number 1. Remember, it's called the old serpent. So who is serpent? Watch this. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God has have have made. That dragon, that Satan, that devil is called the old serpent, and was the old serpent? The serpent of Genesis 3, verse number 1. Serpent was not there in the beginning. Genesis 2, you can't see serpent. Genesis 1, Genesis you can't see serpent. You can only see serpent in Genesis 3. And this is because he was created for a purpose, right? He was a tempter. Guess it right. He was a tempter. Now, he was created to tempt the man that God has made. Everything that was supposed to be. Surrounding the issue of the devil, Adam, and Eve was to prove loyalty. God needed to get an instrument that will cause Adam to prove his loyalty in obedience to God. That's all. And this is why I discovered that in Matthew chapter, th- chapter 4, the Bible tells us after the baptism of Jesus, in Matthew 3, I mean, if you remember that, when the voice came, This my beloved woman, well pleased, the Bible said the Spirit led him. Until the wilderness to be tempted by the devil Is it also to prove your loyalty As a child of God That's all The bible says God tempts no man How many of you have read that God tempts no man So what happened He has to create an instrument that can tempt man To prove your loyalty That's what happened there That's the purpose of the devil Nothing beyond that He doesn't have all the power that you think he has No he's just a deceiver he's a crafty being he was created a beast he's a beastly I mean in all aspects of him he's just a beast but man said he's an angel when did you read in the Bible that he's an angel this is the beast that you find in Revelation 12 verse number 9 called a dragon how is he becoming a dragon dragon is a big monster how did he become a big monster remember what we read in the book of Genesis chapter 6 what the Bible tells you as man begins to multiply on the face of the earth sin begins to multiply so a little serpent became a dragon by implication the more people are multiplying on the earth the more his own nature is multiplying in the life of people that's why it's called a dragon hallelujah what did James even say oh no 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 I don't know how to what did James even say it talks about two patterns of thinking or wisdom He said one is from above. The other one is sensual and devilish. How many of you remember that? So, what is the Satan all about? It's just thought patterns. Okay, let me show you. Mark chapter 7 verse 21. He was created a beast. He has always been a beast. Never once was he an angel. From within, out of the heart of man. So, you watch that? Out of the heart of man. Not of the heart of man, but heart of man. Many men, but one heart. Indicating to us that all men have the same heart. And what is in that heart? That heart is formed from eating of the tree of good and evil. That Adam ate of the garden. That's where the heart was incorporated into man. So every man born into the earth has this one heart. Are we together? And so, who gave man the heart? The devil. So look at the fruit of this heart. From out of within the heart of man proceed what? Evil thought, adultery, fornication, murders. was the next thing? Theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, laxiviousness, uh, was an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and what? Foolishness. Where did they come from? From the heart of man. How did they get into the heart of man? My ate of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree in the garden. Are we together? This is just the point so that is what the devil does all of those, any anytime the devil made me the devil made me have you have you read that your people go to steal when they catch them or the, or the devil made me We're just speaking to me i want to be saying this how come the devil is always speaking to you you hear the devil so much to do evil but you don't hear god to do good where is your ear where is your perception amen so that's the point what am i trying to make you understand the devil is always a devil, has always been the devil. There was never a place in scriptures that God made the devil an angel. People want to tell you something. I listen to one of the great men of God preaching and he said, Oh, the devil made himself evil. Oh, I can't get that. Where do you find the Scripture to prove such a thing? The beginning and the origin of the devil is Genesis 3 verse number 1. And it was created to tempt Adam and Eve. As to whether they will be able to obey God to say, We must not eat of this tree. That was the first thing they did. He used the law against them. The law was, Thou shalt not eat of this tree. And that's why the law cannot truly help you. So, what the devil does is to energize you to be able to fail in the law that God has given. So, God used the devil to tempt you. That's why every word you are receiving, you must be tried. Every word. Hallelujah. So, Jesus was tried in Matthew chapter 4, right? By the devil. Now, what will surprise you about us to be God? The Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Spirit led him, not that he went by himself. It was not a choice of Jesus to go to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, but the Spirit led him there to prove one thing. Now, if you read the account of Mark, the Bible says, as soon as the temptation went over, angels came and ministered unto him. How many of you remember that? Very good. Why was that? What the angels came to do was now we find somebody who can rule the earth. We've been able to see somebody who could stand the temptation of the devil, as compared to what Adam did. Now we find somebody eventually. That's why they came to minister to him. Are you there with me? So, the devil created a beast, made us a beast, fashioned of a beast, never an angel from day one. God never made an angel that disobeyed him. It's false. It's religion. It's, it's in fact, it's an insult on intelligence of God that he created a beast that revolted against him. No, never. Hallelujah. So a theory of the devil with an angel is a false one. Religiously cooked up, you know, theologically it's an abuse of the intelligence and the wisdom of God. It's never found in scripture. It's not found in the holy book. It could be found in history. It can be found in people's manuals. But not in God's holy book. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. I'm going to shock some of us because somebody will ask a question. What about 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13? Let's read that. 2 Corinthians 11.14. And no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. The first of all verse 13. Therefore it is no great. 13 please. Easy. For such are false apostles. Deceitful workers. Transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. So we have some people who are not apostles. But claiming to be apostles. Now, if they are claiming to be apostles, does that make them apostles? No. Okay, look at verse 14 now. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into what? An angel of light. Okay, the word transform confuses men. Let's take it from NIV or NLT. I prefer NIV on this. NIV. Okay, verse 13 again. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. I want you to know the word disguise. That is the word transformed. Not the original transformation like what you find in the case of Jesus Christ on the mountain. That is not it. This is a pretentious act. Okay, look at verse 14. But I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Can you see that? Take it from NIV. The word disguise is what I want you to see there. NIV. And no wonder. For Satan himself masquerades as what? As an angel of light. So he's not an angel of light. He pretends to be. Now the church accepted his pretense to be he is. Never an angel once. This guy is pretending. He pretends to be an angel of light. In fact, when he came to speak to Eve, that was part of the pretense. When he said, oh, the God say if you eat, you're going to, oh, you won't die. God knows that the day you eat, you are going to be like one of gods. You understand that? Right. He came with light. He came with revelation unto Adam and Eve. So he pretends to be an angel of light that has some truth which he wanted to impart to Adam and Eve, right? He's a pretender. He's never a solid man any day. He, he, he pretends to be an angel of light, but he's not. That's what the Bible says. He masquerade, he disguises. Never at any point in time was Satan an angel. Please take that from me, amen? So again, I, I need you to see this. And so it's important to go that now. So he disguises, he merely, you know, it's a copycat. He doesn't have originality. Never at any point in time. Amen? All right. So I needed to get this. So it's a pretender. In fact, he does every work he does his pretense. We just get unnecessarily afraid of the devil. But he's a pretender. He's never who he claims to be. Anytime. He comes to deceive you. How? Oh. Now, how many of you understand that there's a common saying that backing dogs don't bite? You know what that means? You have a lot of dogs. Before you die, you come back. Whoa, 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 whoa. But when you get close to them, they start running back. Backing dogs don't bite. That's what the devil is. He's a barking dog. Hallelujah. Are we together? All right. Uh, Let me show you one of the things. Isaiah 54. Let's look at verse uh, the last two verses. Isaiah 54, the last two verses, 16 or so. Very quickly, 54. Okay. All right. No, no, no. Just look at the King James very quickly. King James. Uh, Okay. Behold, I have created this man that coals and the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work and I have created the waster to do all, to destroy. All of this describe whatever you call the devil. But who created it? God. You are not going to excuse God. You can't, you can't defend God. You don't. You are not intelligent enough to defend God. Let him take his responsibility. And he, he took it too. Okay, look at the next verse. No weapon that is formed against you shall do what? Shall prosper. Okay, take it from the Message translation. Verse, verse 16 again. 16. I a the blacksmith who fires up his fog and makes a weapon designed to kill also greater the destroyer, I did it. God is saying, I did it. Is that okay? If you like, defend God. But God is still telling you, I did it. Okay, look at the next thing. But no weapon that can hurt you has ever been won before. No weapon. By implication, I take away the power that is trying to force to destroy you. He can't destroy you except I allowed him. I share that with you on Sunday how come God was pointing at Job to the Satan? Satan had no power. Satan had been seeing Job all along, but he could do nothing until God said, hey, come on. Have you seen Job? Praise the Lord. So now you can see here that God simply allowed Satan to manifest all of the things created him for in the life of Job. But that was because God allowed it. But so, if you look at verse seventeen, and know we performed against you simply means I won't allow him. Other place said, "They shall surely gather together, but not by me. All that shall gather together shall fall for thy sake." Have you read that? We just give the devil unnecessarily importance without realizing that you have to do with just the thoughts of men. Praise the Lord. It's not as important as you claim him to be, it's not. Amen? i gave you a story here some time ago. Around 2019 or thereabout, about. No, 2009 rather. 2009 and, and, and 2010 or so. I had a conference in South Africa, Mappo Bani, And uh, we were supposed to be two to speak in the conference. And so, the first guy to speak before me was delayed. And people were singing, singing, and the whole time was going. I told our host, I said, come on, let's go and fetch this guy on the road. So, we start driving down to go and pick him. I think he was from, uh, I've forgotten the, the, the city was coming from. We got on the road to find out his cows was sent off center of the road. One leg was off. And then, we told him, "Let us push this car sideways. Let us go for the conference." So we went for the conference. Took him out, locked up the car there, pushed the car sideways, and then we went to the meeting. And because of his teaching, he said, "He said the devil didn't want me to come to this meeting. The devil took away my tire on the road. Only God just saved me. I should not have been able to come. The devil wanted to kill me because this see my ministry is very powerful." He finished all that he wanted to say, and I said, "Okay, friend." when I was just speaking I made mention of something I said brother listen to me the devil didn't want to kill you you wanted to kill yourself because remember when we checked your tire only two boats were on your tire instead of five or four you are two and the two were not strong enough so the boat could not hold your tire when you were driving there was no devil there if there was a devil it's either the mechanic or yourself I said, okay, now to stop the devil from killing you next time, we're going to raise an offering, let's buy this guy a new BMW. And people raise money. And he got a new car. when he went. The next year when I went there, he said, man, you saved my life. You gave me a new car. It was not the devil, it was my tire. I mean, what are you talking about? I just said, let's raise an offering for this man. He needs a new car. He's driving this old car. The boats are not there. And he's saying the devil, it has nothing to do with the devil. The boats in your car are not there. Your car is not in good maintenance. It's not in good shape. And you're on high speed. because we wanted to meet with the meeting. And the boat couldn't hold the tire. It jumped out. And now you're blaming the devil. With devil. Praise God. No way performed against you can do what can prosper. It's never going to be allowed. And that's the purpose by which... The devil was created. He, he he can do anything if God allows him. The devil would not have been able to go to Jesus if the spirit of not led him to be tempted by the devil. No. I mean, if you remember several times, Jesus will say, The priest of the world cometh, he shall find nothing in me. Oh, praise the Lord. Okay, so let's go down. So, what I'm saying, from the very beginning, God created the devil as a beast, right? He knows exactly. What's gonna happen, even like he told Cain, uh, listen to me, the sin lies at your door, you better have dominion over your sin, Oh no my, what the sin that is coming. You know that our trials coming, temptation is coming, something is gonna move in your heart. You want to kill your brother. Let me tell you ahead of time before he comes, how can such sort a of God who knows what's gonna to happen to Cain not know exactly what the devil will do in terms of his creation? What am I trying to make you understand? the thoughts of God in making man to have dominion is still intact. Nothing has changed. Are you there with me? God is working out his purpose on the earth and it's going to be fulfilled. We all are going to enjoy the glory of the Father. Hallelujah. When his mind is fully made manifest when we come to the place of the fullness or the stature of the Lord Jesus Christ there's going to be manifestation or revelation of the sons of God on the face of the earth to have dominion. It's not changing. God is not changing that. Man is still going to have dominion. How many of you understand say the earth have I given to the sons of men? Praise God somebody. If you gave the earth to the sons of men, that God is looking unto you to manage the earth. He's not going to interfere. It's you that either manage the earth or destroy the earth. God is not going to interfere. He has given you the realm of dominion to have authority over everything on the face of the earth. Therefore, you as a child of God, you must be able to stand your ground that this earth is your territory and you have authority over any power, over any spirit. The dominion will be given to you. You cannot allow any creature called the devil to mess you up or deceive you. No, no, no. You have dominion here and you got to rule and reign. Hallelujah. Praise God. Read this scripture with me. Um, Revelation 5 verse number 10. Revelation 5 verse number 10. And I made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall do what? Reign where? In the sky. Uh, Did you get that? What is the excess of redemption? That we will reign where? On the earth. That means right now, God wants you to be ruling and reigning in your own little sphere. Remember what he told the disciples? He said, I'm also going to appoint you a kingdom. If my father appointed me what? A kingdom. Therefore, you have a place. Whatever you find yourself, you are meant to rule and reign. You have dominion. Rule in your business world. Rule whatever thing you are doing. Have dominion. That's the purpose of redemption. Praise God. Okay. Go with me to Revelation 13, verse number 8. Very interesting passage. and All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. i Have explained to us here what the book of life is? Haven't I? Book of life simply means the biography of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't die to be able to discover that you are in the book of life. Once you are born into God through the spirit of Christ, your name is already written where? In the book of life. So you have the book of life and you have the book of the dead. What the book of the dead? All men have not actually found Christ. Amen? They are dead in sin and trespasses. That's what the Bible says. But your name are written in the book of life because now you receive the spirit of Christ. By which we cry, well, Abba, Father. But what I want to show you here is slain from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Now, when you look at that foundation of the world, it's like you're saying when the world was being built or when the world was being put into place, Christ was slain. That's not what he's saying. Now, again, this will make you see like what he told Cain in Genesis 4, verse 7. seeing light at the door. Jesus, I mean God knew that man was going to fall. Now let me explain. I'll come back to it now. The word foundation has nothing to do with when the foundation. That word foundation is not the beginning of the creation Pay close attention to what I'm about to say. We've all got it wrong, when we think this is talking about when God was to lay the foundation or the beginning of the creation. That is not what God is saying. That's not what the Bible is saying. The word foundation there is the Greek word katabole. And katabole means a disposition. That is a founding. A founding. Now, the English word for founding actually means if, for instance, you have a ship in the high sea, yeah, like you, yeah, you got a ship in the high sea, and then you move to a shallow ground, the ship will get stuck. It will be able to move on. So you called out, the ship has founded. Am I right, sir? Yes, the ship has founded. That's what we're saying. So we say the foundation of the world, we're talking of when the creation of God came into disrepute came into corruption when the glory that man had was disrupted. So God is saying here that before Adam sinned, Christ had been slain. Are you getting that? Before man ever fell, provision for redemption has already been made in who? In Christ. So the Christ that came 2,000 years ago was only a manifestation of what has taken place in the spirit long time ago. Are you getting to me? So now you find that the devil did not play trick on God. God knew man was going to fall. So he made a provision before man fell. Are you getting that? So where was the angel that rebelled? You can find it in the Bible. God saw that man was going to fall. In fact, do you know, sin was introduced into the system not in Genesis 3, but in Genesis 2, verse number 7. You see, Genesis 1 26, 27, when God said, Let me man in our image, in our likeness, that was the spiritual man. That man cannot fall, that man cannot sin. So, but God wanted to tempt man. So, in Genesis 2-7, he brought him to the earthly realm. The original man was lowered, if you will. That's what you see in that Psalm 8, when you made him a little lower than the angels. He brought him down from that realm of glory. Of spiritual dimension and infuse him into the earthly realm now when the art was infused into the spirit man he had a propensity now to sin. if God have not done Genesis 2 7 the devil will have not have the ability to tempt man there wouldn't have been a fall so God knew that this was gonna happen therefore he made provision for restoration ever before Adam was tempted that's what we mean here. Before the foundation of the wall. Are we together? So I'm saying the devil never played trick on God. Amen. Praise the Lord. So essentially, here we are talking about when the wall got grinded from its original purpose. When sin was introduced to humanity. God had already made provision for man's redemption in Christ Jesus before the fall of man, not before creation came into existence. That's not what he's talking about when he said before the foundation of the world. But that is the way people always preach it. Oh, Christ was slain before before creation was put in place. No, he's not talking about creation. He's talking about before sin was introduced. Provision for redemption was already made. That's why he found out the same thing that even when Adam sinned, he gave him a coat, you know, you understand that, right? Animal skin, just to cover him up, and that's the same thing he did with the show of the animal sacrifices that were being made in terms of the laws of Moses. All were process of redemption, symbolizing what finally was going to come to be. Are you there with me? Ha! Ah, praise the Lord! And so, when you read in Genesis now, let's—I'm sorry—Act chapter 20, verse 28. Just give that to me. Let's take a look at that. Praise God. Acts 20, Take heed, therefore, unto yourself and to all the flock under which the Holy Ghost had made you overseer to feed the church of God, which he purchased with what? His own blood. Is that right? Whose blood? God's own blood. Now, God is spirit. So, how is it going to work with blood? You see. What he's trying to tell you here is this. I've explained it some time ago, but for the benefit of it, the point is this: there are some laws that only God can fulfil. A law for instance, like an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, only God can fulfil that. Man can fulfil that. If you block off my, t- if I block off your tooth now, and you want to revenge, you must take off two from my mouth. You understand that? If I give you a a, a court now, a matched court, if you want to revenge, you might go deeper. So people say first court is not the deepest. You understand what I mean? Okay. The truth for it to me is the equivalent of what was destroyed, how to be restored. Now, animal sacrifices cannot restore man, or because they are not equivalent of the blood of a man. Are you getting that? And now without blood, there's no remission of sin. So the animal sacrifice, cannot actually redeem man because they are not the equivalent of what was corrupted in the garden. So how is God going to do that? He has to take up himself, become a human being as a mystery of Christ and then infuse his own blood into man to become the equivalent of the blood of a man that lost in the garden and then go to the cross and pour out our blood for the redemption of mankind. Is it making sense to you? That's why the Bible talks about. It talks about with his own blood. Not the blood of animals. Not the blood of goats. And so you see Jesus. I mean John 1 29 said. He's talking about the lamb of God. That taketh away what? The sin of the world. So get the point. The blood that was in his life. Was the blood the life of God. His flesh he took from the mother Mary. That is why Joseph never slept with him before he had Jesus. Because the blood that was going to be in his vein was going to be the blood of God. The life of God. Are you there with me? Are we following? But the flesh is a human flesh. Right? And so Hebrews will tell you he partake of the seed of Abraham. Why? So that through that he can bring many sons into glory. That's the mystery of Jesus becoming a human being. Which is actually God becoming a human being. So great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested We are in the flesh. And this is what we are saying here. So when we said before the foundation of the world. We are saying before man ever think of committing sin in the garden. God already knew what was going to happen. And so he made a provision for the redemption of, who, of man. So all of the Lord of Moses were just walking towards the redemption. He started all of that. From Noah, from Abraham, down the line. Just trying to get man back and bring it one thing or the other. But the ultimate thing he has in mind was Christ, which is his own blood. Praise the living God. And this is why I don't worship a master to nothing. Because when you sacrifice the animals, I mean, to your idols or whatever, you're just wasting time because the blood of those animals cannot avail for man. So you go to idol worship, you end up with the same problem you are trying to solve is still there. But the principle is simple Without the shedding of blood There is no remission of sin That's why the idol worshippers too The priests of the idols They also require for you To bring out a goat or any other thing But be more shed the blood It's a natural law Without blood Shedding of blood There is no remission of sin No forgiveness Are you there with me? So when Jesus hung on the cross, that was the remission of him for all mankind. The sin were remitted. Your sins were pardoned, we were forgiven while on the cross. But that's not what saved you. That was just your reconciliation. That was just the fact that God is saying, I'm forgiving you of your sin. But that's not where you were saved. You were saved when the Spirit came. Are you there with me? Right. On this side of the cross, you were forgiven. On the other side of the cross, you were saved. Salvation is not on the cross. Salvation is when the Holy Ghost came. Are you following that? But the salvation, I mean, the the, the blood was there to redeem you and to forgive you of your sins. Praise the Lord. So, with the cross, our sins were forgiven. With the Holy Ghost, we receive a new life and we are saved. His own life we are impacted into our life. Praise the Lord. Okay. Are we making sense? Alright, Hebrews 1 verse 4. So let's read this. Maybe we can close for today. If I may helping you enough. Amen? Praise God. Hebrews chapter 1. I mean Ephesians, sorry. Ephesians 1 verse number 4. Oh. According to us, he hath chosen us in him before what? The foundation of the world That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Can you see this? We were chosen before the foundation. Is it making sense to you now? Not before creation came into being, but before Adam's sin, you were chosen. So, when he was slain... The fact that you were slain before the foundation, that is where you were chosen. By implication, God is saying, I'm going to get you back to myself. Even though your forefather Adam is going to get corrupted. Are you following what I'm saying? Praise the living God. I'm going to take you to myself. So the choice of you being a child of God today was not made just on the cross, it was made ever before. You came into this world. Every man that is in Christ today we already identified, chosen before this time that they are going to be saved. Your salvation today is not accidental to God. God already marked it at this age that you are, you are going to be among the saints. But that's not the end of the age. That's only the close of the age. There are other ages to come. Amen? come on are we together here let me show you that, so that Ephesians chapter 4 go to verse 6 and 7 Ephesians 4 6 and 7 sorry Ephesians 2 6 and 7 and uh, okay go back to verse uh, 5 let me see so even when we were dead in sins, and quickened us together with Christ by grace he are saved don't forget this word you are saved by grace not of works, not of anything that you can do, or you have done, or you think you could be able to do. You are saved by grace. Is that okay? Alright. What's the next thing? And I raised us up together. I made us sit together in heavenly places where yeah? in Christ Jesus. Alright? What's the next thing? That! That's what I want you to see. There's a connection between the verse, number 6 and verse 7. He raised us up to sit together. We cried, That! He's giving you the reason why you are sitting together with Christ. In the ages to come, not age, ages to come, he might show the excellent riches of his grace. Verse 5, you are saved by grace. You might show the acceleration riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through who Christ Jesus. That is it's true you, grace is going to be revealed to other people. So now, this is why you can't start thinking... That if people don't repent now, that's the end for everybody. No, you are just in one age, and God is raising people. And even the people he's raising now have not come to that place of that level of maturity where they can start doing what they are supposed to do. When we're talking about creation waiting for the sons of God, we have not even seen anybody yet manifested in that dimension. But get the point right in the ages to come, that means there are several ages ahead of us that we don't know of, but God is intending that a people will be raised quickened, raised to a place of glory and immortality, walk on this earth and very life that Jesus walked in and begin to turn men unto righteousness, manifesting the same grace, the grace does not end with you, the grace is extending out of you, amen praise the living God so when he say you were slain before the foundation of the world and that you were chosen before the foundation of the world, it means God said, "Listen, I'm going to get back mankind that are fallen in Adam." And I'm making the provision. And what's the provision? Christ, the blood. I'm going to come as a human being. I'm going to pour out my blood and I'm going to get them back to me for the blood of animals cannot do that. The blood of God cannot do that because those bloods are not the equivalent. Of that which is corrupted if you want to buy back whatever is in the pawn shop you got to pay the equivalent of the price that that thing was supposed to cost you can go and buy a car and pay less than the value of the car the money you pay for the car is the value of the car so you go for Mercedes-Benz might be higher than you know Volkswagen might be higher than you know maybe uh, Sienna whatever the case may be whatever the product is amount, I mean determine the kind of price you pay for it. Is that okay? Right. So man value help me Jesus. The value of man is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is the life of God. The value of your life is what? The life of God. Amen. That's your value. That's your reprise. Oh glory. Hallelujah. Did you get it? I want you to see this and let it sink into your life that of a truth God has come to redeem you and redemption did not start today but it began in quote though it can be seen from 2,000 years ago on the cross but it was done far beyond time when God laid the foundation of bringing forth man back again to the place of glory by allowing Christ to be slain you had only been a son before you came here you always be a son when you get back home going back home to your father just like the prodigal son you got to understand that illustration no matter what happened no matter the fact that we're here this is not our home but that is not to say you're gonna lift up somewhere else no What it means is you're going to change your clothing like we read last week. How many of you remember that? See on Corinthians chapter 5. Your clothing, your covering shall be changed. This is just a tent, but we're coming to the place where we put on our heavenly clothing on. And we're going to walk on this earth again like it was in the Garden of Eden. Praise God, somebody. Love you, and I'll see you again next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org. God bless you.